SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green. And joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hi. And <laughs> resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Just hear those sleigh bells ringling. Jing, jing, jing. Oh, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. I'm crooning. Wow. Uh, what are you getting for your partner? This oh. Christmas? Oh. <laughs> oh. I walked into a trap. <laughs> We're recording this on November 4th, and I don't know. Let me hit you with another one, then. I just went okay. to see James Acaster in Seattle hmm. uh, about a month ago. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was absolute delight. He talked a lot about like the needs of the sort of five-year-old version of him that lives inside of him still, and hmm. still has a lot of needs that he has to take care of. So what, if you had a chance, would you buy five-year-old you for Christmas? This is another Ooh. trap. I still buy a lot of toys and stuff. <laughs> the exact same thing I want now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah, you go first. I'm thinking about it. I also buy the toys that I want. Let me go first. Let me go first. Yeah, Let's please go, go first, Hank. Yeah. Because I, here's what I do. You know how you can get like slime, like kids can get slime and then they put their hands and they play with it. Yeah. I want that, but I want like at least five gallons. <laughs> I think that the <laughs> amount of slime that you get is like by far not enough. 
Uh-huh. I want to be able to like <laughs> sink my whole head into the slime. I want to. So I want to like dangerous. put my arms in it. I want to like yeah. like a word. I want to go outside and just like be a slime monster. I want to put it over my you know five year old little body and run around. Hank, you want to know what I was gonna also say? Slime or some kind of goo, <laughs> because I, I feel like when you. Goo. When you grow up, you're like, if I get the goo, it's just going to get ruined or it's going to get on my carpet. And then my wife's yeah. going to be pissed. When you're five yeah. and I've got a wife to worry about, you're going to be That's slinging right. slime everywhere. Yeah, I want to like, I want to put slime on me and then get on a bike <laughs> right around the neighborhood. <laughs> I don't, I think you both could achieve this dream. Get a kiddie pool, yeah. get a lot of like a big five gallon bucket of Elmer's glue mm, and some yeah. borax. It's true. I bet you could, we could buy a lot it. of slime on Amazon. You could probably subscribe yeah. to Slime on Amazon. Like you can subscribe to Bottle Cap. Slime of the Month. Yeah. 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 I, I've actually even have, I, I've got like mutuals on TikTok who are slime makers. So I could, mm-hmm. just, I could DM them and be like, hey, how much, how much did I get a, a bulk gallons. slime discount? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of it's just the packaging process of like yeah. getting it into the little can. Let's skip that step. Send me the bucket. The, the postage on that would be insane, though. Well, maybe they'll just put it in their trunk and drive it over. That's a real <laughs> okay, okay. Santa delivering it on Christmas morning, too. So mm-hmm. also very exciting for five-year-old yeah. you. It's been tricky for Santa since slime happened because it's so heavy. Um, <laughs> it's carry and a so lot messy. Of slime. It's it like- gets all over that. Everything to do with Santa is made of like crushed velvet, and that does not mix well. That with don't Santa. come out. That don't come out. <laughs> no. He has a lot more outfits now than back in the old day, where he just keep rewearing it. Okay, now I'm picturing five year old Sari running around, being happy and cute and inquisitive. Mm-hmm. What does Sari? What does little Sari want? I feel like I would want unlimited time in some sort of like insectarium, like mm-hmm. rent a museum for myself, maybe just biosphere too. But if it was oh, wow. safe for yeah. kids, like just bio- running yeah. around. You just, you just want, you want, bio- <laughs> I think my big dream is, is a bucket of slime. And so he's like, I want biosphere too. Yeah. I want to do a Polly Shore movie. Oh. <laughs> Five-year-old Sari would just want to run around unattended and mm-hmm. uh you want a bunch of bugs yeah i had so many like paper notebooks that i made where i would walk around our yard and like tape sticks and leaves into it and so if i could just do that but with more cool stuff than what mm-hmm. i could find in our yard i think yeah. i would be happy i'm so happy for all of our little five-year-old selves if only mm-hmm. we could get out of childhood free of trauma i'm sure that none of us would be so driven and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what we are. We're <laughs> driven. <laughs> All right. Every week here on Tangent, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for Glory and for Hank Bucks, which I will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will, one of them will be crowned the winner. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week, it's from me. I like to have a drink sometimes when I'm out with my friends, a couple of beers, a couple of shots to celebrate weekends. But another couple shots from there, I know I've made a mistake. I'm not having fun anymore. My body needs a break. I've got my Uber headed home. It'll be here any minute. The cemeteries are full of folks who didn't know their limit. It's the dose that makes the poison, the quantity that counts. Anything will kill you if you have the right amount. I like to go on Twitter. It's an easy thing to do. (laughs) Open it up and see what fresh hell's waiting there for you. But then I close it down and have breakfast with my wife. Playing Wordle over coffee is a great part of my life. 
If I didn't take some breaks, I don't know if I'd be alive. That much Twitter all day long, could anyone survive? It's the dose that makes the poison, the quantity that counts. Anything will kill you if you have the right amount. The topic for the day is poison. Up in the air as to whether or not Twitter will still exist by the time this airs. (laughs) (laughs) I may have quit by then. That's that's certainly possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least scaled back my presence. So, poison. Uh, Am I right, Sari? It's everything as long as you have enough. I would say that anything can be considered. You can have toxic amounts of anything. I don't know if scientists would look at everything in the world and be like, I would call that a poison. Yeah. Yeah. Would they look at Twitter and be like, I would call that a poison? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. Sociologists specific. say yes. Uh, <laughs> what about a specific substance that interferes with the body's ability to do body stuff? Uh, so, so toxin is the overall thing. And I think it's like interferes with body stuff at relatively small amounts mm-hmm. is, is how I would put it is the amount of the thing needed is relatively small, which is what makes it dangerous and toxic as opposed to Mm -hmm. just like a food that we eat or water that we drink Mm -hmm. or Twitter that we scroll on. The difference that a lot of people like to draw between um, poison and venom is how they enter your body. So toxin is just like if you want to talk about bad things that are out there uh, things that can harm you nice. in small doses there's always you're always accidentally saying poison or venom when you mean venom or poison but if you say toxin mm-hmm. you're good every time yes nice. that's that's my strategy that's my science communication tip for everyone listening uh whenever <laughs> i'm a little bit unsure i use toxin instead and i'm like i know that's gonna no one's gonna call me out for that i almost texted you guys to be like should we just call this episode toxin because i'm having a hell of a time <laughs> poison. We can make this episode in spirit about toxin. Poison is a sexier word, though. We're oh, gonna okay. keep it poison. Mm. <laughs> How's venom compared to poison and sexy cool scale? Too. Ah, toxin sucks compared to the okay. <laughs> toxin's too technical. Toxin's the nerd version, and then you get poisons poison. and venoms. Venom. So yeah. poison you eat. If you ingest it, then it's poisonous, and venom eats you or is injected somewhere into your body, then it's venom. So like a sting, a bite can be venomous. Mm. A berry uh, can be poisonous. What if I swallow a bee and it stings my tummy? I was having the same question earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If a a bee stung inside your tummy, I would still call it a venom because the sting is the method of delivery. If it dissolved in your tummy and then you went, ooh, I feel sick, then that's a poison. I got bee poisoning. And then there was a a 2014 paper that I was reading that uh, when when you get to like the middle zone of poisons and venoms, there are animals that spray. And Mm. so it's like, well, you're not quite injecting it. It's not a stinger. It's not a bite. But it's not as Mm. passive as poison. Like you're not necessarily being eaten. You're like, you have this poison that you create. You have this toxin that you create and are halfway active, but yeah. when it, when it sprays on you, then that's when it absorbs into your skin or something. Ultimately, there is a line here where it gets fuzzy. Also, did they name these two things first and then later they were like, oh, maybe that's kind of the same thing. It feels a little like that to me. It feels yeah. a little like we start, uh, sort of retroactively had to apply 
definitions to these we things. We already got these two really cool words, though, so we can't really get rid of <laughs> either of them. get rid of them. Let's they just make up a bullshit definition for one of them. Well, they, they kind of had a difference from their from their root words. So poison comes from potare, which means to drink. And so poison yeah. is very in the, in the potion family. Like you drink something and then it's bad for you and then oh, you're dead. Mm-hmm. It's like a borrowing from French. So I don't know. Poisson. I don't speak French. Don't that mean fish? Uh, Isn't one of those words fish? It does sound like the fish word. Yeah. Be careful, French people. Don't make Could that be. mistake. Yeah, poisson. It's fish, fish in French. What is poison in French? Uh, also, they're very similar. It is poison. <laughs> it is just spelled the exact same way. Do I know how to pronounce it? Absolutely not. Poison. 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 I thought that was. <laughs> I thought that was Catherine. That was <laughs> Catherine standing in there with you, just ready. <laughs> She's always here listening to us podcast yeah. live, but only what one a, third of it. What a horrible, horrible realization. <laughs> venom comes from Latin venenum, which is poison. <laughs> uh, so yes, it means something, but then it. I think it evolved to something that was secreted by an animal or transferred by biting. Venom means poison. poison. <laughs> yeah. This is or bullshit. just t- maybe probably means toxin, but probably means talk. To- yeah, it probably mean more well, accurately. Have, means yeah, they might not have even sort of understood that a venom was a thing. It was like a snake bite. Like the problem wasn't the thing the snake injected in you. It was the snake, you know? Yeah. Snakes are bad. Things that hurt are like, that's the animal's thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas poison is oftentimes something that people do to people. All right, I feel informed on our topic. We're going to move on now to the quiz portion of our show. And that means we're going to be playing Dead or Not Dead. Uh, it's a special, special <laughs> love <of> New <laughs> Tangent Scape. I'm going to tell you the name of an animal, and you have to imagine that you are that animal. Then I will be offering you something that might sound potentially appetizing oh. to you as said animal. <laughs> as a catch, though, it could be poison. It's up to you to decide whether or not that meal will leave you dead. Or not dead. I love this. All right. So you are, for this first one, a black-headed grosbeak, a bird found in the western part of North America. <laughs> it, its song has been described by allaboutbirds.org as like a tipsy <laughs> robin welcoming spring. So they're having a good time over there. Yeah, that sounds and you might migrate okay. down to central Mexico when the weather gets cold. I'm offering you an insect that you might run into on your path south that has distinctive black and orange wings. Would this leave you dead or not dead? Well, black and orange. That seems like the don't eat me color. But then there's other guys who pretend to do the don't eat me color. So it really is kind of up in the air. I think dead. I think a gross, a gross <laughs> shouldn't be messing with that kind of kind of thing. I wouldn't or I won. I'd eat a nice bear. You logic it all out. I <laughs> I would say as a gross speak, I'm I'm brave. Why am I called oh. a gross speak? Because you got gross stuff in there in your beak. Yeah, I got gross stuff in there. I think it's actually from French for big. But I'm just. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, if I have a big, big beak, I can crunch that bug. I'll crunch it. So um, I'm going to say not dead. The answer is not dead because I offered you a monarch butterfly. I know Mm. that's not what you were thinking when you heard orange and black insects, but that is what it is, which is poisonous to many animals thanks to its ability to consume another poison, milkweed. Milkweed is the same type of poison that comes from the poison arrow tree, and it can cause cardiac arrest in humans and animals, besides humans. 
These huh? compounds interfere with the sodium potassium pumps in your muscles that messes with your heartbeat. But monarch butterflies are able to consume milkweed thanks to a set of mutations that enable the sodium pump to function despite the compounds. And it turns out that the black-headed grosbeak also has a similar set of mutations as do several other monarch butterfly consumers, including the Mexican black-eared deer mouse. This mutation is an example of convergent evolution. It comes in handy for the black-headed grosbeak, which eats monarch butterflies as it migrates south. Yum, so it yum. would kill you, and it's happened in the in the butterfly and in the bird and in a mouse. If you ate awesome. the if you ate the bird, would you die? Uh, if a human ate a bird that was full, just chock full of butterflies, just like the uh, butterflies just gooshing. But the bird out. on it, know, the maybe. bird on its own is not poisonous. Eh? No, no. Okay, I don't okay. think so. But maybe I haven't tried. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> it's, Hank. it's not in my list of facts. Round <laughs> yeah. number two. You are a yellow spotted monitor lizard that lives in Australia. You're brown with various light colored spots and you live on the ground digging holes to nest in. But you're also great at climbing and you can sprint on your hind legs. And you have long forked bluish tongue that you use to look for prey by sensing odor molecules. This sounds like a grand old time for you. I'm offering you a large brown warty toad that was brought to Australia in the 1930s to help control pests on sugarcane farms, but has unsurprisingly spread beyond the farms. Mm. Would this leave you dead or not dead? So toads, I feel same way. I, I understand why this game is so hard, because there are, there are the guys that are poisonous. There are plenty of toads that ha have the toxic mucus on, on their outsides. And then there are probably some guys that just pretend to. Or maybe my blue tongue has some sort of anti-toxin, anti-poison, oh, antidote. Blue tongue could be a clue. I'm gonna say die. Dead. I'm <clears throat> um toads don't mess with them. They got these big like they have a Chad type look to them. They're walking around. <laughs> the toads are the lizards. Around. The lizards. <laughs> they're walking around, they're like, oh, delicious lizard. Oh. And then yeah, they're gonna croak. They're gonna eat anything in their path, and these toads are no good for them. They're dead. The answer is dead. As a monitor lizard, it would take you less than 30 seconds of having that toad in your mouth to die. Scientists have reported that 90% of yellow-spotted monitors have died in areas that have been taken over by cane toads. That's a bummer. However, mm -hmm. it turns out that smaller juvenile toads are slightly less poisonous to monitor lizards, a fact that scientists decided to use to see if they could teach monitor lizards to not eat cane toads. So they presented <laughs> young cane toads to monitor lizards via a fishing pole. And when the lizard ate the small toads, they would get a little sick, but not so much to leave permanent damage. And that appeared to be enough to convince the monitor lizards to not give them a, a second try. Don't let the guy go tell their friends or something. Well, no, he's got to hit every one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one at a time, baby toads. That's a wild way to do it. I would think maybe you could like make a meatloaf that looks like a toad and just yeah. like make it taste real bad. But no, they just find the baby ones. Put them on a fishing pole and and semi poison a lizard. Make it a little puppet, a little toad puppet, and go what? Scare the lizard so they yeah. run away. Uh, yeah, uh, that's how I would do it. Round number three, our final round. You are the African crested rat, roughly the size of a rabbit with black and white fur that makes you look kind of like a skunk. Scientists used to think that you lived alone, but it turns out that you're social and you like to purr at your fellow crested rat friends. I'm offering you the bark of a small tree that has broad leaves and berries that taste sweet, but slightly bitter when ripe. Would this leave you dead or not dead? I think we what? both know the answer to this, don't we? 
I think we both. I was going to put on a show for the podcast, Sam. <laughs> what do you, do you know the answer? I thought you were joking. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this is the thing that makes them poisonous, right? The thing it eats and it grooms itself or something, and then the rat is imbued with poison powers. So he's fine. Yeah, this is, is that right? This is definitely the 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 poisonous rodent, like that that, that exists. It's very metal. It has spikes. It is poisonous. I don't know what gives it its poison, though. A lot of times, it's insects, like frogs oh. and birds that are poisonous. Uh, get them from insects, but this one could get it from bark. I just feel like you wrote know. an episode of SciShow that I animated about this subject. Is that the case? Probably yes. Yeah. Okay. Because then I <laughs> because but then I, I I've put known that information where the information goes, which yeah. is yeah. to the ether, the yeah. space uh-huh. between the worlds. Then then it became a lingering fun fact in my brain where yeah, come time for this episode, I was like, I think I know about a poisonous rodent. Oh shoot! Now I'm mm-hmm. doubting myself. I think he's okay though. Yeah. The the bark, it's fine. The answer indeed is not dead. In fact, as you were saying, you probably should chew on this bark if you are this rodent. Because this is the poison arrow tree, which I mentioned earlier, and it's very toxic to mammals. It can lead to vomiting, difficulty breathing, and cardiac arrest at high doses. It can also be used as heart medicine to lower doses. But you know what's also poisonous? The fur of the African crested rat, because the rat likes to chew on this bark. And when researchers studied the rat in captivity, they watched them take their spit after chewing and apply it to their fur, coating it in the poison. And they hypothesized that the rats are able to tolerate the toxins from the bark because of their four-chambered stomachs and all the gut bacteria that can break this uh-huh. stuff down. And then they just wipe the poison on their bodies. Cool. Also, the berries, when ripe, are not poisonous. Only the bark oh. of the trees, not of the rats. The rats' They're berries so- don't mess with. Well, that means that Sam has two points <laughs> and Sari got all three of those right. Next ah. up, we're going to take a short break. Then it will be time for the fact. Special Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Miriam Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary-defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks, and we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850+, plus, their best-selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if, like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. 
and now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 plus Manuka honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Hello and welcome back, everybody. It's time for the Fact Off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind and after they've presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks any way I see fit. But to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question for you. Throughout history, people have found ways to repurpose poisons into medicine, like Botox, for example, which is made from a toxin produced by the bacterium Clostridium botulinum. The toxin is responsible for botulism, which is very bad and dangerous, and it targets nerves and can lead to paralysis and death. Clostridium botulinum was discovered towards the end of the 19th century by Professor Emil van Ermengem at the University of Ghent. A group of Belgian musicians had contracted botulism after performing at a funeral and eating smoked ham. Oh, three no. Of the music- <laughs> yeah. well, three of the musicians died, oh, and no. their organs, along with the smoked ham, were sent to Ermengem for his bacterial expertise. How many musicians, three of them died, how many got sick with botulism? <laughs> This is not where I thought this question yeah, was going to go. Yeah, I was going to be like, how few grams of botulism can it be and uh-huh. you still die? No. Give me a number of musicians. How many How many musicians do you need at a funeral is the real question. <laughs> yeah. I would think three would be plenty. but Maybe it was a funeral for a really rich guy and it was like a full orchestra because this was back in the day. But how many the hams couldn't have all been bad because it didn't say it, just one ham. So how many hams? Can a full orchestra eat? I think a full orchestra could eat <laughs> seven hams. So what's seven divided by fifty? Uh, <laughs> how many people are in a full orchestra? Fifty. What's seven divided by fifty? Okay, I'm you could have just said how many people <laughs> can one ham feed. It would have been a would have been a, 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 a more direct path to the same answer. Like eight. 
50 divided 56 divided Hank, by leave seven. me alone sorry i'm just letting you know <laughs> seven <laughs> it's the answer is seven seven point one four so how many musicians got six seven point one four musicians <laughs> and three of them died. one person just got a little bit <clears throat> little yeah. pinky i think belgian musicians love to smoke ham so i think everyone is in on the ham i think well, everyone's 20. in on the ham okay 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 I think I think all the ham was bad. I think they were all going ham for the ham, and then and they put all the ham in a big thing and they mixed it all up so you don't know which yeah. ham is which. Okay. Yeah, they just had a big ham platter. Everyone was grabbing yeah. from who knows what. Uh huh. So I think twenty of them got sick. The answer is thirty-four. Oh my <gasps> god, that's horrible. <laughs> so I don't know how, but it was definitely more than one ham, unless they were all having very small bites. Uh, <laughs> They're clearly... passing the ham around. <laughs> take, a, take a lick take a lick everybody take a lick mm-hmm. uh, that sucks so yeah alright so Sarah that means you get to go first or not whichever you want I'll go first I'll, I'll dive into the the ham the smoked ham abyss uh, <laughs> ants are tidy critters as we've talked about on this podcast before maybe me I talk about ants a lot I think but they can't go to the grocery store and buy some soap or disinfecting wipes like we can so instead, they have to rely on a hyper-local organic cleaning product, poison brewed in their own butts. Oh, uh, no. More precisely, the backmost butt segment of an ant's body is called the gaster, and certain subfamilies use a multi-purpose hole called an acidopore at the tip of their gaster to spray a toxic substance as a weapon or a defense mechanism. And this hole also connects to the anus and the pheromone gland, in case you were curious. So three-purpose <laughs> hole. Cool. Scientists have analyzed these poisons and noticed that a major component of them is formic acid, which makes sense because uh, formica is Latin for ant, which can be corrosive to lots of things from human eyes and skin to bacterial membranes or even rival ants. But they're not just spraying creatures they don't like. This is a multi-purpose poison. The species Lassius neglectus has been observed spraying poison inside their nests or any nest boxes created experimentally, including on their larvae, to kill off pathogens like bacteria or fungi. And no, they are not worried about this disinfectant acid burning their soft, fragile little babies because, as a 2018 paper showed, this species' larvae are swaddled in silk cocoons that act as protection. Sometimes these ants also suck poison straight into their mouths from their acidopores and groom the cocoons to remove any pesky fungal spores. And in a 2020 study, another species called Camptonotus floridinus was observed gargling and or swallowing their own poison after eating food or drinking water, basically trying to kill any pathogens before they can fester and multiply in their little tummies. Across these projects, there are various experimental ways to prevent the ants from spreading their poison to see what happened, such as super gluing parts of their bodies shut or making them really mm. cold so they'd stop moving, which is a little sad. But whenever the ants couldn't disinfect with their poison, they had lower survival rates. So we think mm. it actually does something. It wasn't just that their butts were super glued shut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like that might also go on my survival rate. <laughs> you know, yeah, your butt and jaw super glued shut, but. Okay. You never know. We think it's the, we think it's the disinfectant because we use toxic substances to clean all the time, and like even our immune system uses destroying particles sometimes. So it makes sense that plenty of non-human animals do too. 
And I guess in nature, mildly poisoning yourself is worth it if it means you stay alive longer. Wow. Windex ants. I got really distracted wondering one question. What is the hole with yeah. the most uses? The most is three the most? <laughs> you mean you mean of any of any animal? Yeah. Oh, the, I feel like I it's a ch- that's, we're just gonna cloaca? put that one out there. Because I don't think yeah. that we're gonna have an answer to that question no. that's definitely right. So I'm gonna uh-huh. toss it out to the audience. What's the hole with the most uses? Yes. Sam wants to know. At SciShow Tangents on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Maybe. If Twitter. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wild. Sari, that's very weird. Sam, what do you got? Sari and Hank, let me teach you a little something about viruses. And if I'm wrong at any Ooh. point, please tell me, because this was really hard. When I'll you're try. a virus, you sort of have to pick whether you're going to go after cells with nuclei or cells without nuclei true so far and you're pretty much locked into that choice like you want to infect a bacteria well you my friend are a bacteriophage and you aren't going to be able to go after cells with nuclei like say maybe spider cells and sometimes when you're a virus multiplying in cells you tend to pick up things in those cells like dna like let's say that you're a bacteriophage you probably got some bacteria dna floating around in you on account of all the bacteria that you infect but assumedly you couldn't have any spider dna right yeah. Am I right so far? Okay. Yeah, if you're a bacteriophage, I know no reason to have some spider DNA in you. Ah, but what do we do when we assume, my friends? You see, <laughs> in 2016, researchers <laughs> at Vanderbilt who are sequencing the genome of a bacteriophage called WO found DNA that matches DNA that black widows use to make a toxin in their venom. But what the heck? If these viruses only target bacteria, how did it get spider DNA inside of it? WO's target is a bacteria called Wolbachia, and Wolbachia infects arthropods like black widows. And when it infects arthropods, it hides inside cell membranes, safe and sound from bacteriophages. And similar to a virus, as a bacteria is doing all that slipping in and out of cells, it's going to get some junk stuck to it along the way, including DNA from its arthropod hosts. And as previously mentioned, viruses end up with DNA in them too, and they don't care if that DNA comes from a bacteria or a black widow. So now you've got a bacteriophage with black widow toxin DNA, uh, which is what they found, and it's the first time that animal DNA has ever been found in a bacteriophage. So scientists aren't totally sure if these viruses use the toxin, but the toxin makes holes in cell membranes, and these viruses do have to get inside of arthropod cell membranes to get to Wolbachia. So it seems sort of like they do use it. And in this case, I think the toxin would be considered a poison, thus validating this as a poison fact. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also a bit of a chicken and egg situation here that scientists are also looking into. Did the bacteriophage get the ability to make cell damaging poison from the spider DNA Mm -hmm. passed to it from a bacteria? Or did spiders get the ability to make cell damaging venom from bacteriophage DNA passed to it from a bacteria. Nobody knows, obviously. But there are only those two options, so it's one of those two, and either one is very cool. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And WO also contains DNA sequences that are used in animal cells to sense pathogens and trigger cell death and avoid immune responses. So while it's way more likely that this virus has just collected a bunch of junk over the eons, it and other Mm. viruses like it might have taught our cells a lot of tricks that make life possible. Sarah. I have a question for you, which is which way is cooler for it to mm. get this DNA? Is it cooler for the for the spider to have gotten the toxin from a bacteriophage 
or is it cooler for the bacteriophage to have gotten it from a bacteria that got it from the spider? I think spider from bacteria phage is cooler yeah. because yeah, then spiders were just a- harmless. At one yeah. point, and then well, <laughs> I think they have more <laughs> than just that one toxin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like that it got it from the spider because it couldn't get it directly mm. from the spider. It would have to get it from the bacteria that it got right. from the spider. Mm-hmm. Right, which is wild for genes to just be like, "We, <laughs> I'll go wherever." <laughs> well, now I have to choose which is the weird, cooler, weirder fact. And Sari's got a point; is a point ahead already. Will it be? Ants disinfecting their whole situation with their butt poison, <laughs> including their insides and their outsides and their nests. Or researchers finding spider DNA in a bacteriophage. But how? Mm, these are both very good. I think that Sari's going to pull away from this one, but only because she came into it with the lead. These points, those points used to not mean anything. I'm offended that they <laughs> well, mean something. They're a tiebreaker. <laughs> they're really a tiebreaker. Is what they're you used there to for. give us like 400 points arbitrarily for our facts. You've changed. <laughs> well, look, Sam, you got 400 and Sari got 400 oh, and oh, she got 401. But, oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. Cha-ching. <laughs> But it gets 400. All right. Now it's time to ask the science couch where we've got a listener question for our couch of finally home time. Jan Rhett Sammy's on Discord and Emily Nidebala on YouTube ask, is there poisonous venom? I mean, if you put it in your blood, if you put it in your interstitial tissues and it's doing damage, you put it in your tummy, it's very likely to also do damage. I'm sure that there are venoms that aren't poisonous, that like you're like in the yeah. acidic environment of your stomach, they'd be pretty in- immediately inactivated. But there's okay. got to be lots that you wouldn't want to put very much of in you. And also, as I said in the poem, you have enough of anything. It's going to get you un- yeah. uncomfortable. Did that make sense, Sari? How did I do? The the message of SciShow Tangents is do not drink venom. Do not eat it. <laughs> Please don't. Just um, go to one of those like places where they make anti-venom and they're constantly milking snakes and take a shot. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> That's please. rude. Yeah. But if you want to get really, really technical about it, venom, because it goes into your bloodstream, that's more e- an easier distribution pathway. <clears throat> so venoms often contain big proteins that can right. get denatured. Um, if you and and proteins getting denatured is just when there's enough heat or a molecular reaction for some reason, then they unfold and then they can't do the thing. So a toxic protein would no longer be toxic and mess with your cells and, and mm. be the poison anymore. Venoms do have different toxicity, whether you inject them or you take them orally. And researchers do look into this, mostly on mice. It's always mice. Mm-hmm. of injecting things versus feeding mm-hmm. them to them and mm-hmm. to to test and the main thing is that we just don't have we don't we don't really test venoms like eating a lot of different types of venoms but when we do there are like a couple things we've learned and so that's that's what i found um they one one study tested 17 different snake venoms um, just to see whether you could heat them and denature the proteins. And all but five of the 17, so 12 of them after heating, lost basically all of their activity. Mm. So They're just boil. That's just protein. Yeah. That's like eating a steak. And it's just, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but uh, <laughs> say it's like um, 
some dirty water, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Not something particularly nutritious either, but there are certain beverages that uh, integrate (laughs) venom inside them. So like snake wine is prepared by steeping a whole venomous snake uh, in rice wine. And there has been at least one person who was admitted to the hospital because his blood stopped clotting after drinking snake wine. Other people have emerged from it um, anecdotally fine. I was looking at lab protocols, and it seems like 70% ethanol is the standard cleaning supply for any toxin venom waste. So I would say if you're making alcohol out of venom, I would make it at least uh, 70% ABV, which I don't think wine is necessarily. No, I don't think so. Uh, no. You would want like a, a distilled grain and then submerge your snake in it. <laughs> yeah. And then you can say you've drunk You can make venom. snake ever clear, but you cannot make snake wine. I yeah, but it sounds like it's going to cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. It sounds bad. It sounds yeah. everything sounds bad, but mm-hmm. like high enough concentrations of ethanol might help denature the proteins. Like that's that's the idea yeah. too. Also, would take care of any bacteria that might be growing. Which yeah, I don't like the idea of. And then the only other fact I have is that te- tetrodotoxin, which is mostly known for puffer fish. So if you eat poorly prepared puffer fish, where the the gland that contains the tetrodotoxin has been mm. severed and leaks into the rest of the flesh, then you will be poisoned. But tetrodotoxin is also used as a venom by other species. And so there are, biologically speaking, some species that use the exact same compound as a venom and a poison, depending on where you look in the animal kingdom. So yes, even without drinking snake venom, there is poisonous venom out there because they're all toxins. They all fall under the same umbrella and some animals just deliver the same toxin in a different way. Cool. Well, if you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShowTangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to Broken Thumbs on Discord and at Reality Minus 3 and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents and become a patron. You get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes. And we have a tier where you can get a special in-episode shout-out, which is the tier that patron John Pollock subscribed at. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful, and it helps us know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people, tell about, people about, us. about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our editor is Seth Glixman. Our story editor is Alan Pillo. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz Bazayo. Our editorial assistant is Devoki Trapavardi. Our sound design is by Joseph Kunamedish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And of course, we couldn't make any of this without our patron company. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire. But one more thing. Goats can eat plants like poison oak without being harmed by the urushiol oils that can cause horrible rashes on humans. And surprisingly, it doesn't seem like researchers know how goats protect themselves, like if there are proteins in their spit that help. 
But an article from 1992 found that in goats that were only fed poison oak for 10 days, over 90% of the urushiol from the leaves was absorbed or broken down during digestion, leaving less than 9% of it in their poop and none in their milk or pee. So if you use goats for landscaping, there's probably no need to worry about poison poop. But don't roll around in it anyway, please. <laughs> I mean, that's still like 9%. Seems like it's plenty. Yeah. Uh, if you, if it's like it? exclusively urushiol. Eating. Where is it going? It's not in their milk or their pee, and you can eat goats. What's going well, on it's here? Pro- it's probably turned into different malt. It's broken down chemically. Okay. Okay. They're not storing so it up the- in some kind of sack or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, though. <laughs> That'd That's be how the African cool. crested rat would do it. Yeah. I'd just have a big Yerushiol sack, and it would goats. spray it on predators, and I'd have it on my shoulder, and I'd get it to do it to people who are rude <laughs> to me at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let goats and them rats meet each other or else they'll start getting ideas. Yeah, they'll whisper to each other. (laughs) Transfer some genes and we'll all be in lots of trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm.